He is worthy. Oh. So we had a, a communion service on Friday, and I had to hold myself back because it was Friday, but I knew Sunday was coming, and I was already ready to deliver Sunday's message on Friday, and I'm like, hold me back, Jesus. But this is the Super Bowl of the Church of Jesus Christ this Sunday because it's the Sunday we're able to celebrate that the one that we follow, that we've given our lives to, and that has given his life so that we could have life eternal, is not dead. He's alive. Uh, you can go to Buddha's tomb, and Buddha's there. You, you can go to Muhammad's tomb, and Muhammad's there. But if you go to Jesus' tomb, which I've been to, by the way, you'll find it empty. I walked in, looked, there was nobody, walked out and just said, He's alive. My Savior lives. It was the day that changed the world. Come on. That's right. Give him glory. He's worthy, isn't he? Woo! The day that changed the world. Wow. Now, there was a man that went on vacation to the Holy Land with his wife and her mother. While in Israel, the mother-in-law died and had a heart attack. The couple went to a local undertaker who explained that they could either ship the body home, which would cost more than $1,500, or they could bury her right there in the Holy Land for only $150. The man said, we'll ship her home. Surprised, the undertaker responded, are you sure? That's an awfully big expense, and we can do a very nice burial here for 150 the man looked, uh, said, and looking at the undertaker, look, 2,000 years ago, they buried a guy here. And three days later, he rose from the dead. I just can't take that chance. <laughs> if your mother-in-law is here, you better not have left. I'm just telling you right now. Now, I want us to look at Matthew's gospel, Matthew 27, beginning with verse 50 down to verse 53, as we look at the day that changed the world. Matthew 27, 50 through 53 says, Then Jesus shouted again, and he released his spirit. At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two. Notice how, from top to bottom, the earth shook, rocks split apart. Watch this, and tombs, notice plural, tombs opened. The bodies of many godly men and women who had died were raised from the dead. They left the cemetery, notice when, after Jesus' resurrection. Went into the holy city of Jerusalem and appeared to many people. There's a missionary of times past. His name was E. Stanley Jones. And E. Stanley Jones stated, Earth's blackest day and Earth's brightest day are only three days apart. Earth's blackest day and Earth's brightest day are only three days apart. Jesus died on Friday. And we know that darkness covered the earth at midday from 12 
to 3 in the afternoon. But come Sunday morning, if you read Matthew's gospel, before the dawn of the new day, there was a supernatural occurrence that transpired. An angel came from heaven. An earthquake began to shake the earth. The stone was rolled away. The angel sat on that stone. And then there was these women that showed up at the tomb. And the angel said, why are you seeking the living among the dead? Pointing out that Jesus had risen from the dead. I want us to understand today that the angel did not roll away the stone for the Savior to come out. The stone was rolled away so the skeptics could go in and discover that when Jesus says something, He's got the power to fulfill what He has declared He would do. And I want to say to you today that regardless of where you find yourself in life right now, there's pardon for you, there's a power you can experience, and there's a peace that God wants to distribute to your life. And it's all possible because of that day that changed the world. He rose from the dead. Jason Bonickson writes, Hope is faith in the immutable promise that miracles prevail when the darkness tries to win out with cries of despair. Hope is a gift from God that helps us yearn and live a life that believes and moves with the pledge of a better tomorrow. And what's more, hope springs forth resurrection life and draws us near to the love of Christ who is the light of God who walked out from the grave to make the way for everlasting life. Easter Sunday celebrates the rebirth of life eternal that illuminates the light of hope which perpetually shines upon the soul. For as He did then, God eternal still calls forth despair from the darkness into His Spirit's resurrection might. For truly, what is this day? If not, that dawns hope eternal in the glory of Jesus' resurrection light. CWC, CB family, I want you to understand today that Jesus' resurrection is a validation. Let me say that again. Jesus' resurrection is a validation. It validates that God keeps His promises. It validates that God keeps His promises. It also validates that God's power knows no enemy that it cannot conquer. And it validates that what God has done, He can keep on doing today. This is why I'm inviting you to experience a joy unspeakable and full of glory, life and life more abundantly, peace that passes all understanding, a hope that is living and bubbles in your soul when night is the darkest because you know that regardless of how dark the night is, the light of the world could not be snuffed out. He was buried, but three days later, He came out of the tomb to reveal there's nothing that can hold me back from fulfilling what I promised to do. Woo! Now, 
in this passage from Matthew that we've begun this message with, we note several things. The first thing we note is Jesus' shout. Jesus' shout. The Bible says there in Matthew 27:50, it says, And Jesus shouted again. Jesus shouted out again. What did Jesus shout? John tells us in his gospel what Jesus shouted. In John 19:30, we read, When Jesus had tasted it, he said, It is finished. In the original language, it's one word, tetelestai. Tetelestai. What did Jesus shout? Tetelestai, which means it is finished. Then the Apostle Paul gives us a glimpse of understanding, or rather a revelation of understanding, regarding what that cry, Tetelestai, it is finished, implied for those that come to faith in Jesus Christ. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 14 in the Amplified, Colossians 2.14 in the Amplified. Having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of legal demands which were enforced against us and which were hostile or hostile to us. And this certificate he has set aside and completely removed. Notice how. By nailing it to the cross. Now, let me give you some historical background and insight into what Paul was saying here. When he used the term canceled, the certificate of debt. When someone in that day borrowed money, a certificate was made out. It had to be paid. Once paid, it was canceled. Often, the home of the person borrowing was the collateral. Once the debt was paid, the certificate would be nailed to the doorpost of the home. And on it would be stamped the word tetelestai, which means paid in full. Listen, Jesus, before he died on the cross, he cried there on the cross, rather, before he died, tetelestai. Translated, it is finished. More directly, it means the debt is paid in full. What debt? My sin debt. My past, present, and future sins that deserved penalty and that caused me to owe God's holiness and justice a payment in order for me to redeem myself so that I could qualify to be in relationship with Him, which was an impossibility. Jesus paid for it on the cross. And so when He declares, Tetelestai, He's screaming not only in that moment to the people there before His cross, but He's screaming throughout generations up to our point. And even if we should die and others should continue, and letting us know, you don't have to live paralyzed. You don't have to live captive to your sins. I'm paying for them completely here on the cross. Not just the sins you've done, but the sins you will do. And if you look to me, here's the deal. I will give you my forgiveness. And not only will I forgive you of your debt, I will deliver you from sin's power. And ultimately, I will save you and rescue you even from sin's presence. One day, sin won't even exist in you because of what I'm doing here on the cross. It is more than enough. It's finished. It's paid in full. You don't have to live in bondage anymore. Woo! 
So we see Jesus shout. The second thing we note is Jesus' authority. Jesus' authority there in Matthew 27, 50. It says he released his spirit. He released his spirit. What is it telling you? Jesus didn't die because he was put to death. Jesus died because he chose to. Nobody took his life from him. He released his spirit. He decided the time and place and moment of his death. Nobody took his life. He voluntarily placed it. It revealed his authority. And he spoke about it. In John's gospel we read. In John 10 verses 17 through 18. John 10, 17 through 18 says. The father loves me because I sacrificed my life. Notice. So I may take it back again. No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily. For I have, notice, the authority to lay it down when I want to and also to take it up again. For this is what my Father has commanded. Woo! Jesus had the authority to lay His life down. And when He chose to, He released His Spirit on the cross. Now watch this. The third thing we see is Jesus opening. Jesus opening. In Matthew 27, 51, says at that moment, what moment? The moment that he cried to tell us die and then released his spirit. At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary, the temple was torn in two. Notice how. From top to bottom, the earth shook. Rocks split apart. Now watch. Jesus opened The way in. Jesus opened the way in. When the curtain tore from top to bottom, Jesus opened the way in. What do you mean, Pastor Angel? We are told that the curtain of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom. This curtain was not a mere sheet. That was hung before the Holy of Holies. It was said to have been one hand in thickness. Watch this. This curtain was also 60 feet long and 30 feet wide. And it separated the holy and most holy places. Nothing less than a miracle could have torn it from top to bottom. And that's how it was torn at the precise time of the Lord's death. Now, what we need to understand is this. The reason why it was torn was because there was only one person that could go into the most holy place. It was the high priest. And he could only go into the most holy place on the Day of Atonement, once a year. You can read about it in Leviticus 16. So once a year, there was this high priest that would go in with the blood of sacrifice. And he would sprinkle it in the most holy place on the, on the, on the Ark of the Covenant, which was two cherubims that touched with wings. And, and it represented the mercy seat. It represented the place where God would come and dwell and manifest his presence. But only once a year... 
A priest could go in on behalf of the people. But when Jesus, after he declared, it is finished to tell us die and released his spirit by the power of God, the curtain was torn from top to bottom as if Jesus was declaring, now, Regardless of whether you have a representative or not, you can personally come into the very presence of God. It doesn't matter if you have a past. It doesn't matter if you are not good enough. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, not only will He wash you of your sins, but then He will position you to be able to come into the very presence of God 365, 24-7. Look what Paul, the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 10, 19-22. Hebrews 10, 19-22 says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. This is the new life-giving way that Christ has opened up for us through the sacred curtain by means of His death for us. Watch this. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's people... Let us go right into the presence of God with true hearts fully trusting Him. Woo! That means no matter what you're going through, if you're His child, you can come any moment to His throne. You don't need anybody to go on your behalf. You can show up at the Father's throne and He'll give you mercy and grace for your time of need because the curtain has been torn from top to bottom, and it means access is granted. So Jesus not only opened the way, watch this, in, he also opened the way out. Jesus opened the way out. Watch this, Matthew 27, 52 through 53. It says, and tombs, plural, tombs were opened. The bodies of many godly men and women who had died were raised from the dead. It says, they left the cemetery Notice when, after Jesus' resurrection, went into the holy city of Jerusalem and appeared to many people. Now, that would freak me out. What do you mean, Pastor? Here are some people that have died, and possibly even relatives. These are people that put their faith in God under the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant, and... The moment Jesus died on the cross, when there was that earthquake, it tells us that rocks split apart. Now, we have to understand that they didn't bury people the way we bury people today. They didn't bury them six feet under and then cover them with dirt. No, they would put them into caves and then they would roll a stone in front of it. And so when it says that rocks were ripped apart, it means that the entrances to tombs were also removed. The the blockade to the entrance to the tomb was removed. And it said many rocks were broken apart. But, watch this. It says that they didn't show up into the holy city until after Jesus' resurrection. So that means that Jesus' death, their tombs were open, but they were still dead. But after Jesus rose from the dead, because 1 Corinthians 15 says that Jesus is the first fruits. Of the resurrection from the dead. After Jesus raises from the dead. Then these people whose tombs were open. Came alive. And then. They started showing up in Jerusalem. Now imagine. If it was one of your dead relatives showing up. 
you open the door and they say, I'm back. What would you do? I'm out. <laughs> right? I mean, when you read the scripture, don't overlook it. I'm like, whoa, this is powerful. That Jesus' resurrection was so powerful that it not only raised him, it raised Old Testament saints back to life with a resurrected body. So if you study commentaries, which I have on this passage, you'll discover that there's different interpretations. But I came across an interesting footnote in the ESV study Bible, the ESV study Bible regarding this passage. It reads this way. Matthew apparently jumps ahead here, treating materials topically as he often does, and begins to speak of events that, watch this, that would happen after the resurrection. The wording suggests that these saints were not merely brought back to life like Lazarus, John eleven forty four, but were raised, Matthew twenty seven fifty two, with new resurrection bodies, a foretaste of what would happen to all believers at Christ's return. No other historical information about this event has been found. But it is natural to suppose that if they had resurrection bodies, they would not have died again. They may be, or they may, they may have been taken up to heaven at or after Jesus' ascension. Acts 1, 1 through 11. And when you read Acts 1, you see that he went up with clouds. The writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 12.1 that we are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. It could be that the clouds that they saw Jesus being taken up to heaven with were actually these Old Testament saints that had been resurrected from the dead after he was raised from the dead. Now, why did God raised through his power, not only Jesus, but these Old Testament saints from the dead through the power of his resurrection. Here's why. God wanted us to know through Jesus Christ that not only do I have the power to open the way in, where you can come into my presence, not only do I have the power to open the way out, so that those that believed in me would come out of their graves. But I've got the power to open the way up so that in our generation we could have the assurance that God has the power to fulfill His Word. Because we've got a revelation from Scripture of what happens to those that die in Jesus now. Where is it, Pastor Angel? It's in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. It says in 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18, And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died. So you will not grieve like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him, the believers who have died. We tell you this directly.
directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself, watch this, will come down from heaven with a commanding shout with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other with these words. Now, now, how you know that's going to happen, Pastor Angel? Because when Jesus rose from the dead, Old Testament saints were raised from the dead. God didn't have to do that, but he did it to let us know. Here's a preview of what I'm going to do in your day. And to assure you that I can do it, I'm doing it in Jesus' day. You see, that's why we say, if he did it then, he can do it now. Why? Because he's the Lord and he changes not. And Jesus also, before he died, he showed up at his friend Lazarus' tomb, who had been dead for four days, and he declared to Lazarus' sister Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes on me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. What he was saying was not just some theological truth that will ultimately be fulfilled, but he wanted Martha to know, by the way, you don't have to wait to see if I'm the resurrection and the life after you're dead, and then I come back and take you up. I'm going to give you a preview you of that fact right now. I want you to move the stone so that I can call your brother out. And they moved the stone and they called Lazarus forth and the man who had been dead for four days came out of his tomb after Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Why? Jesus wanted us to know that our hope in him is not baseless. It's not baseless. It's founded on a base, a foundation that is true. I want you to understand today, I'm not a believer in Jesus simply because I have read it in a book, but it's been verified over and over and over and over again. Even when people have tried to deny his resurrection, they come out to prove that he truly did rise from the dead. This is not a myth. This is not a fable. This is a reality. Woo! The first time he came, He fulfilled at least 300 prophecies concerning where he would be born, where he would be raised, what he would do during his earthly ministry, and concerning his death, burial, and resurrection. He fulfilled over 300 prophecies in his first time coming. Oh! Why did he do that? So that I would know that when the scriptures would be all put together after he went back to the Father, that the one who gave those scriptures is the very one that proved the first time, I can do everything I say I can do. Therefore, your faith is not based on a myth fable, but it's based on factual evidence that is verified. Hey, and people want, why are you so excited? I serve a living Savior. He's alive. (laughs) And I'm alive because of him.
What is Easter about? Greg Laurie puts it simply. Here's a message of Easter. Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead. And the resurrection of Jesus was the death of death. (laughs) And the resurrection of Jesus says that we can live beyond the grave. (laughs) Now, Can you tell what's in my hand? It's a receipt. It's a receipt. Now watch this. What purpose does a receipt serve? It is the proof that payment has been made. That's what Jesus Resurrection is. It's the receipt, the proof that the payment is made, that death and sin no longer have power over us. There's a story that I came across in a book entitled Six Hours, One Friday. Written by Max Lucado. And it's a story that I have shared often at graveside services. The story of a missionary in Brazil who discovered a tribe of Indians in a remote part of the jungle. They lived near a large river. The tribe was in need of serious medical attention. A contagious disease was ravaging the population. People were dying daily. A hospital was not too terribly far away across the river, but the Indians would not cross it because they believed the river was inhabited by evil spirits. And to enter its water would mean certain death. The missionary explained how he had crossed the river and was unharmed, but they were not impressed. He then took them to the bank and placed his hand in the water. They still wouldn't go in. He walked into the water up to his waist and splashed water on his face. It didn't matter. They were still afraid to enter the river. Finally, he dove into the river, swam beneath the surface until he emerged on the other side. He raised a triumphant fist in the air. He had entered the water and escaped. It was then that the Indians broke into cheer and followed him across. That's what Jesus did. He entered the river of death and came out on the other side so that we might no longer fear death but have eternal life in Him. In the words of Max Lucado, when Jesus died on the cross, so did your sin. When He rose from the dead, so did your hope. You see, Our faith in the Lord is not baseless or 
hopeless. It's founded on facts that have been verified. And our hope is not a thing. It's a person. The Apostle Paul would later reveal in Colossians 1.27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. I have hope, but it's not a, I hope so. It's a, I know so. Because the one I place my hope in died, was buried, and is alive. And because of that, right now, today, there's pardon, there's power, and there's peace that you and I can experience. (laughs) No matter what you've done, friend, He can forgive you. He can free you. No matter the hurt, the hang-up, the habit that's been enslaving and binding you, He can pardon you and release you from its power through that same power that raised Him from the dead. And today, you don't have to be in turmoil. You don't have to be anxious. You don't have to be depressed and in despair because He gives a peace that passes all understanding. And he's brought that peace about through his cross. The blood he shed. The blood we sang about. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. <laughs> he's the resurrection and he's the life. He did more than proclaim it. He proved it. He proved it in his earthly ministry as he raised Jairus' daughter, as he raised that widow woman's son, as he raised even his own friend Lazarus from the dead. And he proved it when he took up his life again after being buried in a borrowed tomb. I thank you that today there's pardon for sin. I thank you that your power is available within reach. That same power that raised from Jesus from the dead is in operation right now and can raise up the downcast. That person who feels they're through, they're finished because of overwhelming circumstances that have drained them and left them weary with the sense of hopelessness and helplessness. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead can raise him. And I thank you that there's peace here for those that are enduring a storm. Peace for those that have been going through a challenging circumstance and feeling worried and anxious because they cannot find a solution or a way out as hard as they've tried. But God, you offer them a peace that will guard their heart and mind And grant them a blessed assurance and inward confidence that will strengthen and sustain them and help them prevail. Jesus came. He died. He was buried in a borrowed tomb. But then he rose on a Sunday. And on this Sunday, you can be lifted. You don't have to continue 
being buried under guilt, being buried in despair, buried in discouragement and despondency. You can be raised by that same power that raised him. You can be pardoned. You can be not only forgiven of your sin, released of the debt, but you can be released from its power to continue to manipulate and dominate your life and enslave you. He can break that through the power of His shed blood. There's some of you today, you need His peace. You've been battling with fear, anxiety, and worry because you've been dealing with a situation in your life where you've tried to find a solution, but you can't. As hard as you've been thinking it through and mulling on how to get through this situation in your life, you haven't found an out, but Jesus opens the way out. And in the meantime, He'll give you a peace that will guard your heart and mind, give you sanity give you soundness, give you the ability to think straight and think with His thoughts, His wisdom, insight that will help you navigate through this season in your life. If you want that, I want to invite you to this front area. We call it the altar. And I want you to know that you can be prayed for and experience His presence because that same power that raised Him from the dead is here. You say, Pastor Angel, I need God's help right now. I need His pardon. Or I need His power at work in my life. I need God's peace right now. I'm saying to you, it's available. If you want it, start making your way forward to this front area. I want to pray with you. And there's other prayer warriors here that are ready to join you in prayer. Just come. Come. If God has spoken to you, you come. And we're going to make sure that you're prayed for. And as our PW crew sings this song, I want to invite you to just come. Let us pray with you because this is your moment of breakthrough. You don't have to leave here without being pardoned. You don't have to leave here without experiencing the power of God and the peace of God in your life. You come right now. He's ready to touch you. He's ready.